Hello everyone and welcome to the kickabout. Manchester United lift the first silverware of the season at Newcastle's expense. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Everyone and welcome to episode 119 of the Kickabout. Um, we may not have the longest show in store for you tonight because the football at the weekend wasn't rather not great. It wasn't great, was it? Yeah. There's, um, there's still some things to talk about, of course, as there always is. Um, of course, we've got the Carabao Cup final. We've got um, some big results down at the bottom end of the table as well. And um, yeah, we'll uh, <laughs> fill it in where we can. <laughs> um, so, without further ado, we will start as we always do with this. Down the stat, man. Um, the ball has been in play for fifty-one minutes and forty-seven <laughs> seconds on average. Hang on, it's quite. I think it's quite a good one. Plus, a lot of the other stats were very boring. Um, the ball has been in play for fifty-one minutes and forty-seven seconds on average in Newcastle's Premier League games. Okay. This season, the second lowest of any side. After who? Just this season. Just this season. So just in the Premier League. Yep. Ah. And then only. Uh, let me read it before I give away the answer. And mm. only one other side have averaged more added time at the end of the games than Newcastle. You, is this a bit of an agenda against Newcastle this week? Is it? Well, I mean, I've spoken before about how much time wasted. <laughs> Look, you beat them, all right? You haven't got to rub it in any further. <laughs> um, right, okay, well, as always, we'll get the answer to that at the end of the show. Um, first of all, we're going to just spend a few minutes just talking about um, the late John Motson, who obviously passed away last week at the age of 77. Um, yeah, horrible, horrible news, obviously, for everyone involved with him and his friends and family. Lots of amazing tributes paid to him in the world of football and radio and, in, and on the TV. Um, I guess for me, like for you guys as well, was he was he kind of the voice of football for you guys as he was for me? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I I seem to remember, like towards the latter stages of his career with with BBC, I was kind of getting to the point where I think, no, don't stay too much longer, Motti, because mm-hmm. you're you're risking your own legacy, sort of thing. And he he obviously did move on. I think in 2018, I think it was, mm-hmm. and then did a bit on Talk Sport as well, mm-hmm. but. I mean, you hear some of the stories about him and you realise just how meticulous he was. Um, is there any particular, you know, do you have memories of him in certain games? I mean, like the Beckham one Beckham against, against Greece. Yeah. Against Greece is one I remember. Beckham against Wimbledon, actually, the half halfway line goal. Mm. I remember him going mad about as well. Any other sort of... Some Pompey commentary as well. of just memorable moments, but... Did he do cup final? Do you remember? Yes. He did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an amazing career that he's had. He's, he's been doing it for something like I don't know the exact number, it's like 40 odd years. years, 50 years, whatever it was. Um, he's been an amazing servant of football. He will be missed, I'm sure, by everybody. Um, I think there will be more tributes to come. I think we didn't see any at the games themselves, I'm presuming, because maybe they need permission from family and stuff. There was one yeah. in the 77th minute. Oh, that was uh Aston Villa game. Right. Was it Aston Villa? Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was Aston Villa. Aston Villa-Everton. 
or Everton Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. I was that because that was the I think that was the last game he did. Yeah, Aston Villa West Brom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was quite nice. But I guess if there's if there is going to be any more, maybe they have to wait for um, permission to do it on the actual day at the ground. But obviously, there's been lots of TV. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a documentary mm. at some point oh, in the future. Yeah. So that would be definitely worth a watch. So yes, um, right. Let's move on. Um, we are going to start with the Carabao Cup final. You know, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's funny because I, I watched the game in the entirety. I managed to keep my kids occupied enough that they weren't bothered about the fact I had football on TV and not Hey Dougie for a change. Um, and uh, yeah, actually, I thought the game was, I thought it was a quite a good game actually. Mm. I mean, despite the fact that it was only, I say only 2-0, but you'd, the game at times felt like it was destined for, you know, just cancelling each other out at times. Mm. Um, Dan, I'll come to you first. Obviously, I know you're going to be very, very happy, but how did you feel like the game was going? How did it start for you? Uh, yeah, first sort of 10, 15 minutes, I was a little bit worried because Newcastle, I thought, were on the front foot, um, especially St. Maxima. I thought he was quality. And I was quite surprised when they took him off because I thought he was the only one that looked like sort of creating something for Newcastle in the end. Do you know what? We'll just pause on that point, though. I, I had a conversation with this about with somebody else. This could be a hot take. This could get me in trouble with this one. Right. I'm, I think that St. Maximan is turning into the new Traore from Wolves I can't remember what his first name is Adama Adama Traore yeah I feel like he's got all the ability in the world but he tries too much and I feel his end product at the weekend I thought was absolutely dreadful the amount of times he didn't find a pass mm. his crosses were over here or they got blocked but you know he did as you say he looked so dangerous because he was so positive every time he got the ball other than I felt a, like his end product was so poor other than a sort of great save by De Gea though he did nearly score and he absolutely destroyed De Lowe with his skill. I mean, Delo got booked very early, didn't he, for a really needless mm. yeah, foul. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that had anything to do with how he then defended from that point onwards, obviously being very conscious about not yeah, wanting to get a second yellow. Yeah, it's a struggle, isn't it? Especially when you've got someone that's really skillful. If you sort of stick out a thought, I mean, that could be a second yellow card. So. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I mean, I've always felt, I've always been a little bit on the fence with St. Maximin. I've always had these discussions with, with Shearer about how, you know, like, are you actually a better side when he's not around? Because he is so greedy at times. The amount of times mm -hmm. he sort of, he does the does the, the turn or the bit of skill, opens it up, and then he goes he back in there back, again. Yeah. It's almost like, oh, that was easy. Let's see how many times I can do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I admit, he, he looked dangerous. He looked threatening. Uh, but you were just always, you're always on the edge of your seat. But there was always like, oh, he's, mm. he's fucked up again. Um, so I mean, it'd be interesting to know what the general consensus among Newcastle fans is about him. Because he's an, he, he's like an enigma. Yeah. When he's when he's fit and he's firing and things are working, he must be one of the best assets to have. Mm. But when he's his end product is poor, he must be one of the most frustrating footballers to have in your team as well. Mm. So anyway, yeah, I, I spoke to um, Shearer during the get. Well, I sent him a Rashford gift. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then after he was like, "Yeah, I th I th we were doing well until you scored your first goal, and then we were just completely deflated." And I yeah. was like, "Yeah, that I, that is pretty much how the game went. As soon as we got that goal, which is what I was talking to my mates before, I was like, we need to get the first goal because otherwise Newcastle will just shut up shop, and then they'll play for that one nil win, mm. which obviously they do quite often in the Premier League. Mm. Um, so yeah, as soon as we got that, that it sort of forced them out, and then we got the second and. It was pretty much just sort of seeing out the game after that, really. Yeah, but. Pete. We, I mean, I was. I don't know about you. I was actually quite surprised at how Newcastle approached that game. I thought they were going to be a little bit more conservative, certainly early on. Mm. Um, were you surprised at how they approached that game and how sort of open they were at the start? I just think it was quite a cagey affair, to be honest with you. I mean, 
you go into a cup final, it's a fifty-four year wait or something to, to lift a trophy, and yeah. the amount of pressure, the amount of pressure that was on United as well. It was always going to be one of those games. I mean, both teams were not at their best. That was that was clear to see. Um, but United's quality just struck out, and I don't really think that Newcastle done anything past the final third. No. Um, I was. I must admit, I was very impressed with United's defending overall. I thought mm. they were, as a unit, very def- very good. Uh, Martin seems to get better every week. Um, him and Varane have really got a really solid partnership yeah. going. Um, and I, I, it was actually the, the the desire to make sure that Newcastle didn't score that was quite impressive. They were literally throwing themselves mm. in the way of, of shots. Um, every header. I mean, we talk about we'll talk about the Chelsea Spurs game in a minute. So any Chelsea fans will know to switch off soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we look at Eric Dyer's header against Mason Mount, where Kane got into the back post, yeah. you see the lack of real effort and desire for Mount to really put pressure on Dyer. Mm-hmm. You then flip that and look at the amount of effort. I can't remember who it was that went up against him, but Martinez went up against someone. It might have been Dan Byrne. And like Martinez was like, you are not getting this easy. Yeah. I'm going to make you fucking work for this. And the head went off target. Yeah. And if Martinez had done what Mount had done, could have been a, um, a completely different result. So yeah, I was really impressed with defensively United in that game. And when we, I think it was when we were tuning up and I think Casemiro put in a tackle in our box and it, it went out for a corner and then he was like pumping up the crowd. And we just haven't had players like that in quite a long time. Um, and I just felt like we had so many leaders out on the pitch with the likes of Casemiro, Varane, even Martinez, I think, is a bit of a leader himself, and he's only just joined as well. Um, but yeah, And Bruno, obviously, as well. Um, I think that's what we've been missing. We've just been missing those key sort of senior figures out on the pitch. Do you think you can win the quadruple now? <laughs> that's in, it's in the bag, mate. <laughs> nah, I mean... I think it's possible to get three of those. Yeah, I think Europa League, now we've knocked out Barcelona. I think Arsenal are the... Because we'll brush past... I don't Betis. see Arsenal going. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Arsenal will be the the sort of pillar in our way. And um, West Ham as well for the FA Cup. Yeah, we'll brush past that. <laughs> <laughs> Just stir that pot quick. Yeah. We're informed, mate. We won one game yeah. in a row. Have you not well, seen it? That's, I mean, that's the thing. Like, and that's why I was worried about the Newcastle because obviously we just played Barcelona with our strongest 11 and I thought Newcastle had eight days to rest. Yeah. I thought they might have been a lot sort of fitter and that might have gone in their favour. But... It's just the transformation of United in the past 12 months has just been ridiculous under Ten Hag. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing how a manager can come in and almost make you forget about all the other problems around the club because a lot of those haven't gone away mm. and yet it feels like they have to a, to, to a fan it will do because to a fan the most important thing is is success on the pitch and when you when you have that at a club all the other problems seem considerably smaller but obviously when it goes the wrong way as it has done for the last few years yeah. you then see that the what can happen um so yeah I thought um I thought Newcastle would be or will be very disappointed to have conceded the first goal from a set piece, given the aerial dominance they should have had. Mm. You know, every one of their defenders is about nine foot tall. Mm. For little old Casemiro, I know Casemiro's not tiny, but he's not, you know, he's not big, no. I wouldn't say. For him to get in and score, what was a very good header, by the way. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very disappointing from Newcastle's point of view. Mm. Um, on the second goal, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on, on Karius in a moment in terms of how he did, because there was a lot of talk about him. A few of the commentators were saying that they thought the carry should have done better with the second goal. What, what did you think? I don't think he put a foot wrong because I saw a a stream of um like Newcastle fans and they were going in on Carrius and I was like, I mean, it's it's for the own, second for the second yeah, goal. It's, it's an own goal. Obviously, the the trajectory's like changed and 
I just, I, I think it's very harsh to, you know, I I, probably the best player on the pitch. For Newcastle. Mm. I think Especially the save he made against Vercourse. Mm. That was yeah. a very good save, yeah. Mm. Um, and also, was there not one for Bruno at the end? I know the game was done by that mm. point, but it was still a very good save. I think that the, for the second goal, I think one thing that everyone seems to have overlooked that we're talking about on Sky is that not only has the ball changed trajectory quite dramatically mm. because he was going across goal and it suddenly gone yeah. high, is the amount of pace that was taken off the ball with that deflection. Yeah. So Karras is obviously having to anticipate a fast shot that's coming down to his left. And then all of a sudden he's then got to try and readjust to the fact the ball's now going really slowly. And actually adjusting from something that's coming at you really fast to something that's now a lot slower is actually really difficult. So it probably looks worse because he got a touch on it yeah. than if he'd have completely sort of, you know, dived and missed it. Exactly. His body shape, he was kind of like going down here to readjust. Mm. I think it's, could he have done better? Yes, maybe. But I think to actually outright say it's his fault, yeah. I think is very harsh. Yeah, it is. Um, and I actually think, you know, has, has he gone some way to sort of repairing his reputation a little bit yeah. after that game? Well, like I said, I don't think he put a foot wrong, really, um, overall. And Pete says he, was probably, he probably was one of their best players, so... I mean, it was him or Gillespie, wasn't it? Or Gillespie, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Unfortunately, really he's always going to be remembered for the Madrid final, no matter what he does. But. but I think that this is good that, you know, that his last competitive game in English football wasn't that game mm. that he'll always be remembered for. At least now he's got, in, in, in for himself, if nothing else, he's got, like, I came back. My first game back was, strangely, another <laughs> cup final, which is just mental. Um, crazy set of circumstances that even you know put him in as the third choice goalie in the first place and uh, yeah I thought he, for somebody who's not really paid I mean Roy Keane hit the nail on the head he said I'm not worried about the Liverpool game it's the fact that he's not played any competitive football for so long is more than more the concern mm, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah I thought he did really really well um, it wouldn't surprise me that his stock has risen enough that if a, if a position comes up in a you know mid-table or lower team that somebody might not just take a little punt yeah. on him um, get him on the cheap, get him on loan, whatever. I think that some of someone might take a punt on him. Mm-hmm. Um, to the to the wider point then of United, um, we'll talk about Newcastle and how their season sort of, you know, the trajectory that their season's now on. Um, Robbie Savage this week <laughs> after the game, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, he claimed that Ten Hag is the best manager in world football. Your thoughts, please, Dan. <laughs> yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> nah, I mean. I think he's doing great things, obviously. Um, like the difference he's made in such a short space of time. Um, because I was thinking earlier, actually, about Graham Potter, and I thought, you know, you've got to give him time, this, that, and the other. And, and he compared himself to um, Arteta, I think, as well. But, I mean, on the other end of the scale, you look at what Ten Hag's done at United in the time he's been there. He's not even been there a full season yet. I think it goes to show that you can... It doesn't necessarily always take two or three years to get a team playing the way you want them to play and, and you cut the players that we've got compared to what Chelsea have got. So I think yeah, I think dare I say it's a little um, I know I know the comparison you're trying to make, but I think it's not quite as black and white as that. You know, Ten Hag had a full preseason. He's not had the massive turnaround in mm. squad players that Chelsea have had. Um I don't disagree with you at all. You he know? has had the World Cup break though. True, he has had that, yes. Um, but then, you know, even if he's had the, you know, he's had all those players to work with, and then the Chelsea owners have gone and bought another six or seven players mm. in January, which is don't get me wrong, screw that me, over. It's not me going in on Paul because I do like him. And I'd love him to succeed. Well, not love him to succeed there, but <laughs> English manager. I'd like him to yeah. succeed, not necessarily at Chelsea. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was just something I thought of earlier. Anyway, um, but no, yeah, in terms, th- in terms, sorry, go on. no, I was going to say, I think, I think you're right. I think the comparison is fair to a point, 
that you know we've seen lots of other examples of managers coming in um at, at clubs and sort of turning their fortunes around fairly quickly uh, Moyes did it when he came to West Ham yeah. on two occasions he got us up and running um with a with a vastly inferior squad compared to United and, and to Chelsea mm. so um yeah I think it can be done but um just in, in terms of winning that track I know it's you know I'm not going to like shout from the rooftop and get the open top bus out for the Carabao Cup like I'm not you know I don't change my opinion that it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse Cup but it does create that winning mentality like a lot of players in that squad have never won anything mm. um, obviously with the likes of like Varane and that now in which I, I think is another reason that it helps so much like Casemiro has won like 12 or something out of 14 major finals <laughs> it's insane his record is yeah. absolutely incredible but I don't know if you I don't know if you watched like the end of the game and stuff but Ten Hag went up to um, Maynou like he's like the seventeen-year-old sort of midfielder, and um, yeah, you could sort of see him saying like this, you know, this will be you in a, a few years' time. Mm. Um, so it's just stuff like that that I think Ten Hag is just because he is obviously good with the youth players and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's kind of drilled into your Ajax, mm. isn't it? Really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Pete, I mean, what do, what do you think of United's trajectory now, like for the rest of the season? I mean, they they've won the Carabao Cup now, as much as. Dan says it's a Mickey Mouse cup and I get that you know everyone kind of views that don't they but when you get to the final I'd like to win it yeah <laughs> absolutely I'm not, I'm, not like, I'm not shitting on it but I, I don't want no, it I know to come mean, across yeah. as if I'm no, like we've just I know. the World Cup I, I think, know I mean but it's still a major piece of silver yeah oh yeah I'm happy we've won to it. the first point I think I mean Ten Hag has got all the attributes to be one of the top managers in world football right now I think it's he's probably still in like the honeymoon stage at the moment. You know, the first season we we can't really get a get a grasp of how good he is slash can be mm. in less than a season. You know, you look at Arteta and look what he's done this season, starting to fall off the rails a little bit, and then you look back two months ago and you could say that he was the best manager in the world or the best manager in the Premier League. You know, you can't tell in the season. United as a whole, I think. To be the only team left in all four competitions, brilliant. Credit to them, the way they've transformed the the squads. Ten Hag's going in and doing uh, the youth academy training and top to bottom, it's looking better. Obviously, you've got stuff in the background, which isn't re- doesn't really seem like it's going to go away. Um, but I, I still stand by it that the most feared team in England right now is United. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I don't think they're. In, I can't remember if it was you guys we were talking about last week about Old Trafford returning to a little bit of a fortress yeah. again. Um, mm. We're not a million miles from that. Mm. I do think this summer is massive for United. I think they have to get away from the. Even though it worked in the end, you know, panic buying in inverted commas Casemiro. Um, obviously, that, that's turned out to be a complete masterstroke. Mm. But United it, was, it wasn't planned. Though, no, was it? Um, I mean, I guess maybe we don't know. Maybe they would have gone for him had they known he was available earlier. Yeah. We we don't know the full story. But what United can't do is get involved in these two, three month drawn out transfer mm. sagas. They have to identify targets earlier and just go and fucking get them. Um, if Ten Hag is confident that they're working his system, go and get them. Don't sit there and try and play yeah. hardball over the five million or something like that. Uh, but of course, we don't know what's going to happen with the Glazers, etc. There's rumours today that um, the sale price, um, sorry, the stock price has gone down by about 10%. So it's not a rumour, that is true. But because of the rumours that the Glazers may not want to sell, 
Um, am I being facetious in thinking that because the Glazers suddenly see this potential success United mm-hmm. are now going into, <laughs> that they think if we hold on for another year, we'll get more money? It's typical, isn't it? Like as soon as we start doing well, they they sell this, say they're going to sell the club, and now they're saying that potentially that because it's all gone quiet. It has, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, over the last week or so. And I wonder whether that is because they've suddenly decided, you know, we're still in all four competitions, Champions League next season, going to be more money and stuff. Selling the summer. Yeah, which I think would completely ruin the whole atmosphere at the club in general. Um, not just the fans, but the players and that as well. I, I think, I don't, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest problem, if, if they do wait to the summer, which in theory will be when the club stock is at its highest, because mm. if they if they leave it another year, they risk it going the other way again. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that depending on how long that takes, no money's coming in for transfers. Yeah. Um, so that could be a problem in itself. I mean, it's quite safe banking, really, because you can't really see United slipping away from third, can you? True. Any, anything in the future, they're either going to get knocked out now and be where they are, or get further. Yeah. So I guess they're waiting on, if you know, if you win Europa League, for example. It's a bit of a safety blanket um, winning the cup, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Um, you're still in the FA Cup, of course, if you end up winning that. You know, if you win, if you have a domestic, or sorry, a domestic double and a, and a European trophy this season, I mean, that's a fucking brilliant season. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, take take nothing away from any of those trophies. So only manager to uh, win a trophy in their first season at United. Is that, from, is that true? No, someone else as well. Oh, is there Ten Hag and Mourinho? Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, he's in, in amongst the elite. Mm. Um right, okay, let's um let's talk about Newcastle quick. Um this game to me, I know we talked about them a little bit already, but this game to me felt a little bit like a, a homage to what we've seen from Newcastle as a whole over the past um probably month or two, maybe. Where, you know, lots of huffing and puffing, not quite the quality up front in front of goal. And then, you know, just maybe just a little bit of lack of concentration at key moments at the back, which cost them a couple of goals. Um, I was having a, a chat with somebody earlier about this and we were talking about whether we you know where Newcastle are um, in, in the sort of pecking order and whether or not the third place has been, has maybe clouded people's appreciation for Newcastle as a whole. And, I, you know, we know they're punching above their weight, I guess is what I'm saying. But mm. how far are they punching, do you think? Um, I think... Because it's always funny when you look at the table in like December and you see certain teams up there and sort of say, oh, you know, can they can they do it? This, that, and the other. And then it's about now that you start to see these teams slowly drift away. Yeah. Um, because you get to obviously to the latter end of the season and the fatigue starts to set in and and the injuries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think that's what's happening with Newcastle now. I think it's slowly catching up with them. Um, and I, mean, I, think, I, I, think I just they'd... think they're in a rut. Their goal score has been a problem for yeah. actually a reasonable number. Look at their goal score stats. It's not great no. across the season. It's just that they've had such a world-class defence that they've built their foundations mm. on. They've been getting so many um, so many good results. They've been winning games 1-0 and 2-1 a lot, but they've been drawing so many games. And that's, you know, because their defence has been so good, that's enabled them to stay fairly high at the division. If mm. they didn't have that defence, they'd probably be mid-table. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, other than the Liverpool game, they've not really been losing... Um, mm. But they've, like you say, they've not been scoring. There's been so many like nil-nil draws. Um, that is half their problem. Yeah. The games they're drawing. And um, what I've noticed as well is that the amount of times they're actually getting caught out on the back on set pieces for a, a team with a, like I've mentioned many times with them, the height of that team yeah. to get done by a corner. It's not good. More, more than like what three or four occasions now. Yeah, I mean, if I just bring up the. Um... 
the Premier League table here for a second. Um, they currently sit in in fifth place, uh, only one win in their last six. Just two points now ahead of Fulham in sixth place. Um, granted, Newcastle do have two games in hand over them. Liverpool now just beginning to knock on the door. Two wins in their last three. Um, you know, have they turned a little... I know they got battered in midweek by Madrid. They were embarrassed by Madrid midweek. <laughs> and they didn't turn out a particularly good performance against Palace. Um, but Liverpool are only five points behind Newcastle in fifth place. Are Newcastle in danger of actually not getting European football at all this season? Well, yeah, potentially, if, if the results carry on as they are. Um, I think that win, obviously, if they'd have beaten United in the final, I think that would have given them a massive boost um, going forwards, whereas it, you know, now it could potentially have the complete reverse effect. <coughs> if, they, um, if they finish, let's say, the current trajectory carries on. I mean, they still only lost two games this season, you know, which is the lowest out of anybody in the league. Um if this trajectory carries on and they keep drawing games, losing the odd one here and there, and they end up in seventh place in the conference league, for example, yeah, I think that's a success. Do you still think that's a successful season, given Absolutely. where they were? You don't, you don't think they'll be disappointed, given where they were? It, it is just, but it's one. You know, pre-season, I think they'd have probably been happy with like eighth, whereas I think now eighth would be a massive disappointment. Whereas if they can get your like conference league. It's still European football um, for the fans and stuff, you know, and then obviously they can bring in players in the summer and then look to build on it next season. Mm. It's going to be a slow build with Newcastle. So I think they've just got to keep their expectations in check rather than getting too carried away with these sort of early season runs and stuff. Um, Pete, what about you? Do do you think that the Newcastle fans will be uh, sort of the what-if scenario with them you know when, when you've you know and I know in a way I kind of sort of know what they're feeling when West Ham did that two seasons ago mm. and we got within one game of Champions League you know in reality getting that close and getting fifth place is, it should have been celebrated as a ridiculous achievement mm. but in the back of your mind there's always that oh if we just fucking won that game that we yeah. drew nil-nil or whatever we could be in the Champions League they're quite hum- a humble bunch of fans really I mean just <laughs> looking at the, the cup final as well staying and still singing on their team. I think you look back at a year ago under Mike Ashley's ownership and, you know, they can't get much worse than that. I think if you were to say to them a year ago, oh, you're going to be in a cup final against Man United at Wembley and you're going to be competing in the the top half of the table, they would have ripped your hand off. Mm. So I think anywhere above eighth is a successful season, but where we are at the moment, I think if they drop below sixth, it'll be a bit of a disappointment to them mm. and it will be a what-if situation for sure. It's, it's helped as well that Liverpool and Chelsea have obviously been so bad because usually they would obviously occupy one or two of those mm. Champions mm. League spots. I, I don't think they, they'd be gutted if Liverpool Beat got, got, got past them. But I think the likes of Fulham, which I think are probably going to fall off a cliff now, or Brighton, Brentford, to, to pip you to something when you have been so strong at the start of the season... I would feel really hard done by there. Yeah. What makes you think Fulham are primed prime for, really prime for a drop-off? I don't know. It's just... The the Fulham that we saw at the start of the season was obviously shocked us all. You know, the, the start the start of the season was, was unbelievable for them. And I, I just think that they put in a good performance and then they'll put in a mediocre one and scrape a draw and then win another game. It just seems very mid-table-ish. Do you think Only United have picked up more points since the World Cup than Fulham. Oh, congratulations to them. <laughs> like, yeah. I, just, 
Do you think no. Mitrovic, you know, Mitrovic's been in and out of the team a lot recently. He has been such a massive source of goals mm. from this season, which goes against what we thought might happen at the start mm. of the season. Willian stepped up to the plate. And it's that man of Solomon. Yeah, Solomon's coming mm. down well. I think they share the goals around quite well. Um, and I also think that uh, when we're getting off topic we have Newcastle which we I mean we can kind of round up that point anyway um, but Paulinho in the midfield for Fulham mm. I think has been absolutely outstanding this season for them they, um, they've had a great season and they've had really good recruitment yeah really good and credit to them for being up there but I, I do think they're going to drop off a little bit so okay well um, that uh, concludes our Carabao Cup chat um, Chelsea fans probably want to close your ears <laughs> for this one uh, Tottenham 2 Chelsea nil. now in reality um, I didn't really want to talk about Chelsea again because it kind of feels like we're just hammering home the same points week mm. after week I didn't actually see a huge amount of this game but from what I hear we could probably just talk about Chelsea in the exact same way that we have for the last five weeks and it'd be correct because it was just it's Groundhog Day mm-hmm. for Chelsea fans. You know, they've um I've got a stat here about Potter, and which we you know we'll talk about him in a second. Um in terms to the last eleven results, it's one win, which was back on January the fifteenth against Palace. Otherwise they've either lost or drawn, I think they've lost uh, six and drawn four of the rest of them. And more worryingly, uh, if I can find the stat where that where on earth was it? Uh, the fewest English league goals. Now, I brought up this point last week. We went through some of the results about how many goals they'd scored. Fewest English league goals since bonfire night. Chelsea have got six goals in 12 league games since bonfire night. Everton also have six. And then you've got Accrington, Cambridge, Crystal Palace and Southampton. Kind of worrying that this, given that we're yeah. meant to be the top pinnacle league, four of those six teams are Premier League teams. Um, but that's just... It's just not good enough. Um, at some point, you have to kind of look at this project and think, well, this pro- <laughs> we have to give this project to somebody else mm. because there has to be, you have to balance out a longer-term project with shorter-term success. And now what that success looks like is <clears throat> open to interpretation. And obviously that will be set out by the board. But I'll tell you what it isn't, and that's winning one in 11. Mm. Um, so are we surprised that he's still there? You know, he's shocked. He st- he seems to believe that he's got the backing of the board. Although today was the first time that I re- heard a rumor that they were looking at possible replacements. Well, he even said that <clears> he <throat> can't keep relying on the back end of the board. And I, for me, it's one of those when you constantly, after every game, say like, "Oh, I've got the backing," or the or the the club themselves say, "Are oh, we still backing?" That's when you know that they're getting close. To Clock's ticking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just I look at this team and I still do believe that he's been dealt a little bit of a shorthand. We were talking about it earlier with the number of mm-hmm. signings that he's had to somehow integrate into this team in a short space of time. But going back to what you guys said at the start of the season, uh, or when he was when he was appointed rather, you know, this is Chelsea. He's not going to get three years to build this like he did at Brighton. And we are kind of seeing that now, that, you know, that he probably does need longer to get across what he wants. Um I watched some of the football in the highlights. I did see the football looked okay. Nothing special, but it looked okay. But then it gets around the box and you just feel like there's just nothing mm. at all anywhere near that box that looks like they're going to score. And it's not like they're short or creative players either. Mm. They've got some incredibly talented footballers. So how much how much of this is players, I guess, is my, what I was I think getting the, towards. I mean, yeah, obviously the play, you know, the, the players have got to take the blame as much as the manager. But what I don't think helps... I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read that he made six changes for that game. And, and that's one of the biggest problems is the, the team looks completely different every single game I watch. Mm. Um, yeah, Guardiola, you are not. Exactly. Uh, and it, 
obviously you need to start picking a solid 11 to build up a um you know help me out any result possible? <laughs> yeah. Point? Three points? Are you talking about the, the, the relationships on the pitch between yeah. the players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And obviously, if, you know, if you've got a centre-back partnership that chains every single game, then that's never going to help. And the same with up front and midfield. And I think that's the problem. P- players just don't know who they're playing with each week. Is there, I mean, yeah, that's definitely a problem. Do you think there's an element of Potter trying to not upset the apple cart? He's trying to make keep everyone well, happy by giving them games. A, that's another problem, isn't it? Um, you know, they've got all these players that they've got to try and fit in. and, and But... Thing is, you know, next season, if they don't finish in a European place, that's less football for him to rotate the squad around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, from a FFP point of view, there'll be a lot less revenue coming in if yeah. they don't have European football next year. Yeah. So, that's right, they can get a letterbox in London. <laughs> I mean, they've still got like Lukaku and all these other players to return. Yeah. Yeah, Lukaku can come back and save the day. I bet mm. Chelsea fans can't wait for Lukaku <laughs> to come back. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel for him. A bit because you know he's an English manager. He did such a good job at Brighton. Um, I, I wonder how how different things would have been if. Well, actually, no. I, I know how things would be. Bramovich would have sacked him by now. But um, I just wonder, you know, without the crazy spending spree that Todd Bowley went on when he came in, um, I just wonder how different things might have been if he was given an opportunity to have a squad that he knew what was going to, he, you know, he knew he make was going to have, signings, yeah. make it, a, make his own signings, but also, you know, not have the, uh, you know, seven or eight new players coming in every window. And as I say every window, that's an exaggeration. It's only been mm. one window, but you get my point. So, yeah, I, th- I think the clock is ticking. Who have they got this weekend? Do we know? Well, they've got Dortmund midweek. If they lose that, is that curtains? <sighs> I mean, they'll be yeah. They'll obviously be out of the Champions League. I think they've got an easy run of fixtures, haven't they? Uh, so they got uh, so Dortmund is next week, uh, not this oh, week. Okay. Chelsea against Leeds uh, at home. Uh, that's a bit of a there's a bit of needle there between those two teams. Mm. So that's that's a massive game to win. Uh, then Dortmund the following week. Then Leicester, Everton, and Villa. So they do have a good run yeah. of games. Um, I mean, I I highly doubt if he loses. Yeah, if he, if he, if, home to Leeds. If, well, even if he doesn't, he's just got to win. Even a draw, I don't think, is enough. Um, if he loses to Dortmund, I don't think he gets as far as the other two. I think the next two fixtures, I think if, if he doesn't get a win against Leeds, <clears throat> I think they'll keep him in charge for Dortmund. Mm. But if he loses that and they get knocked out, um, then I think he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they, they're, they're letting him carry on on the hope that he goes deep in the Champions League and they'll probably be hoping that that can sort of reverse the narrative mm. a little bit around him as to yes League's not going very well but he's doing one in the Champions League type thing so don't know we should see um, let's talk Spurs because they've turned a little bit of a corner you could say um, do you think there should be some kind of crowdfunding set up to keep Conte in Italy <laughs> yes because they seem to be doing quite well without him four wins out of five and the one that they lost was the one game that Conte come back for mm. where they got battered by Leicester um and yes, I know Chelsea weren't at their best, but you know Spurs finding ways to win again, and yet again, um, they're in that top four. They're staying solid. They're four points behind United. Obviously, United have got a game in hand. Crucially, four points clear of Newcastle, even though Newcastle have got two games in hand. Um, they're putting themselves, you know, primely placed, aren't they, for mm-hmm. a uh, for a Champions League spot next season? Um, having said all that, <clears throat> I still can't work them out. I still don't know whether I think whether I rate Tottenham as a good side or whether I think they're just a mid-table team that's getting away with it up, up there. <laughs> Honestly, I just can't work them out at all. Um, 
where, what do you guys think about um, this manager situation then? Because Conte is up, contract, contract is up in the summer. It's lingering. There's not really been any talk about whether he's staying or going. Um, what do you guys think? What, what, what do you think is going to happen in the summer? And do you think Spurs fans will want to keep him as well? Because there's been some rumblings about football, the style of football and stuff. Well, I mean, he was brought in because he's a trophy winner, but Spurs don't look any closer <laughs> to winning a trophy than they did before. Yeah. And it, I feel like he creates a bit of a negative atmosphere at the club. When things aren't going his way, he does, definitely. Mm. He's got a bit of the Jurgens about him when yeah. he comes to that, hasn't he? And he sort of to- throws his toys out of the pram in terms of transfers. Pochettino's still in, unemployed. I would probably let him go and then go back for Pochettino. Mm. I know that you want Pochettino, but... Mm. I want anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Even though Moyes is winning again. Uh, we'll get onto that later. On a, I mean, on a side note, I think it opens the door for Stellini as well to you know put his foot in the door of you know, managerial careers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I don't know if anyone would take a, a risk in the Premier League for him, but... You know, I think it goes back to Italy or, or something like that. He can really start. I mean, it's weird, isn't it? Because even though Conte is still recovering back in Italy, he's obviously still going to have a massive influence and a massive say for everything that goes on from tactics to team selection. Mm. And yet everything seems to be clicking. So is it is it pure coincidence? Things. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. must be annoying, it? though, with, like for Conte to be like... <laughs> 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 I, I'd be quite pleased putting my feet up, relaxing. I'm just saying, not when the team's doing, just doing a, single game. Just doing an hour Zoom call every day and then going to put his feet up with a beer by the beach. Mm. Um, they constantly <laughs> ask that, Stellini, as well, like, you know, is there a reason that you keep winning and since Conte has been gone, etc., etc. I'd love to leave. It's like, you know, go like full stab in the back and go, yeah, yeah. shit. <laughs> give the job to me. He's rubbish. Don't let him come back from Italy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, obviously, we, I know one or two Spurs fans and I've asked them before about what they think about Conte and they said, look, you know, he does get results and puts you in good positions, as you can see by the table. But it's that fine line between wanting to win trophies and wanting success and wanting to be entertained as fans paying good money to go and watch football matches. And I think Conte flirts with that line very, very dangerously mm. um, with his brand of football. Now, he's had some big results. I mean, if you look at the last um, five games they've played, I can't remember who the fourth one was, um, but they've beaten West Ham, they've beaten Chelsea, and they've beaten Man City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Man- West Ham are playing very poorly, but it's still a big London derby. But all three of those teams set up in a way that massively suits Spurs. Chelsea and City sort of tried to play front foot football, which opens it up for the counter, mm. and West Ham just bent over and took it out the arse. So it didn't, didn't quite <laughs> frankly, it didn't matter. What, quite frankly, it didn't matter what they did against us; they were always going to win the way we set up in that game. And I can't remember who their other game was against. Leicester um, uh, was the one we got battered. Yeah, I don't know who the other win was. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I'm a West Ham. I mean, I've been kind of been there with Allardyce. I know we, we went, the, the success was never likely to be there with him, given you know lowly West Ham and whatever mm. but I understand the difference because he did have a half good season where we were up near the top echelons of the league but the football we were playing wasn't great I'm thinking well what do I want as a fan do I want to see us winning games in an ugly way or do I want to see us losing them but being entertained it's, it's a it's mm. a very fine question isn't it it's I like, think Spurs just want a trophy don't they they just want to get people off their back yeah. they, want the meme, yeah. they want the memes to stop yeah. I mean literally <laughs> I don't, should I say the one that came to you I think it's too no, okay. No, okay. Um, let me see if I can find it quickly. So I was sent one earlier. That other team was Fulham um, that they beat. 
Fulham. Fulham okay. Um, so just to rub it in a bit further to Chelsea fans, uh, sorry, to Spurs fans, Christian Eriksen has literally left Tottenham, died, come back to life, switched clubs twice and held a trophy before Harry Kane has. <laughs> I just thought it was a look. Made me chuckle. <laughs> um, right, okay. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a couple of more games to talk about down the other end of the league and then we'll get into the stats and the quiz. See you in a minute. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show but we're going to switch our attentions now to the bottom part of the league um, we're going to talk first of all about Everton nil, Aston Villa 2 uh, partly because obviously Everton are in the doldrums down at the bottom but also because we've not really talked about Aston Villa for some considerable time I feel like it's, uh, it's high time we gave them a little bit of uh, a little bit of chat because they've actually been quietly going about their business they're not setting the world alight or anything like that but they are in 11th on level on points with Chelsea um, they're only far, uh, five points off of seventh place uh, Liverpool. Um, so they're actually doing all right. I know they've had some, the results have tailed off a little bit in recent weeks. They've lost throughout the last four, but they've, you know, been playing some, I think they've had some mm. difficult fixtures in there. Let me just correct myself if I'm about to get that wrong. Um, so no, they had Arsenal and Man City before this weekend, but they did get battered by Leicester the week before that. Um, but Ollie Watkins looks like he's found a little bit of form. First Premier League player for Aston Villa to score in five games in a row. Mm. Um, what, what, what do you think of Ollie Watkins? Because he's kind of like a, I don't know. He was an absolute hero for my FPL team this week. <laughs> uh, very happy with him. I, I just feel like he's one of those players that kind of like everyone rates, but no one cares about. Mm. Is that is that fair? Or do you think that's a bit harsh? I think he's just one of the, like, the underdog England forwards, isn't he? Really. Always going to be on the periphery of the English yeah. squad. Never going to. Mm. I'm trying to think of a maybe like a Jamie Vardy in terms of you know in terms of how his England relationship. Yeah. He was never really considered even in his prime for Leicester. Never really got a look in at England level. Doesn't help that we've got a few of them now. You know we've got like Ivan Tony, um, Callum Wilson, Danny. Well, not Danny. He's with yes, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I had to watch him. I've watched him once or twice this season. Um, and obviously we've seen him over the last few years as well like he's just he's such a grafter mm. he's just like he reminds me a little bit of Carlos Tevez in that way um, in that he just he'll chase down everything he never gives a defence a moment's peace um, and actually I think there was rumours at the time when I think when I don't, I don't think Emery was in charge at this point but they, they had Ings they had Watkins and they had one other I think did they have one other striker at that point? But there was always this talk about well, how are they going to make all these players fit together? It was when Gerald obviously was mm. in charge and Gerald never really made it work, not properly. And now, the, obviously the decision came was, you know, who do we sell? Do we sell Ings or do we sell Watkins? They've sold Ings to West Ham and Watkins is now sort of shining. So clearly they've made the right call. Mm. Um, so, what I mean, what what have you made of Villa's season so far? As I said, we've not really talked about them that much. Um, do you think they've laid a little bit of a a good baseline now with Emery to push on next season? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. Um, and obviously, they, Villa are one of the sort of spenders in the league. Um, but yeah, and Coutinho's, I think the last couple of games he started to play, I don't actually know if he played in that game, but the game before he played quite well. Yeah, he did. And he, I think he got, did he not get a goal as well in yeah. that game as well? Um, yeah, he. I think he has started to come back into the team a little bit. He, did, uh, he didn't start at the weekend. Um, in fact he wasn't in the squad at all by the look of that so there was obviously perhaps an injury there 
Um, but yeah, they've got some good players. I mean, like Leon Bailey, like mm. if you can get a proper run of games out of him, he's shown time and time and again the sort of quality that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, a lot of the noise about Tyron Ming seems to have gone quiet. Um, I think he's sort of like knuckled down and sort of his format a little bit now. We had the captaincy stripped as well by Gerard. Yeah, he did. Um, and yeah, John McGinn. John McGinn. Like, no, I mean, no, no. like it's <laughs> a bit of a bit of an insult. Um, but I think I think they've got the makings of a good side. I mean, time and time again, we've always said in pre in pre season that Villa looked like you know the side mm. that could maybe knock on the door of Europe. And then the last couple of years, they've let themselves down a little bit. But with Emery, you know, a manager that has a love affair with the uh, Europa League, maybe next year they can actually have a push mm. towards it. Um, where do you think they would need to improve for that to happen? Do you, or do you think their squad is well, placed when, enough now? When the January window closed, I said to you after you signed Ings that I was worried for them where the goals were going to come from because they only had Watkins and you know Bailey up top. Yeah, and Watkins really was not in form at the time. Um, you know, form doesn't last forever, as we all know. So I think they do need to start cementing a proper striker. Yeah. Do you think Watkins works better as an out, like a winger, almost cutting inside rather than out number nine, I mean, like a Rashford almost? I was, I was, was, was going to say he's like Rashford, yeah. but he relies on confidence. But he's still young, so you know it's not going to last forever. And when it doesn't, sorry, when when his form dries up, yeah, Villa are going to be one of those teams that are going to roll over and get easy to beat. So I think it's very important to plug um, where you're weak and in this case, short in positions. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I think the forward line is probably their area, biggest area of weakness. Um, Jacob Ramsey has shown promise at times. He looks like an exciting young. He's scored some great goals at times, Um, but he's obviously not a regular scorer. They they need somebody who's going to bang 15 goals a year as a a striker. If they they want European football, you need a striker that can do that. Almost almost every team up that end of the uh, league has a striker that they can pretty much rely on for 10, 15 goals every yeah. season. And if they don't, someone like Brighton perhaps, then they know that they've got goals in almost every position in that forward line um, where they can share it around. Um, but yeah, I think Emery's quietly done a good job. And as I say, I know they've lost three of the last four, but I think quietly he's done a good job. Um, I think next season, Villa, I think could be, reason- Villa fans could be reasonably confident of a, of a stronger season next year. Yeah. It's one or the other, is it? It's either relegation or Europa League. With that, with Villa. <laughs> well, they've got obviously they've got plenty of money to sign. You, they usually are good for a couple of decent signings in the summer. Um, don't they've still got um, who's the player that they signed that then either broke his leg or did something really bad to his knee? Yeah, that's the defender, um, um, Carlos, isn't it? Yes, Diego Carlos. Yes, yeah, so they still got him to come back at some point. I uh, hate to use the um, the phrase of you know it's like a new signing, but mm. effectively it's going to yeah. be because they've not yeah. seen him yet. So um, yeah, I think they can be quietly confident. Let's talk Everton. Because for all the um, you know the the good stuff that Dyche has done, they came in, they beat Arsenal, they beat Southampton the other week, I think it was. Somebody down the bottom end, it was at Leeds. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah, Leeds. Was it Leeds? Leeds. Yeah. No, um, played Southampton under Dyche. Right, yeah, they beat Leeds one. Was it Leeds? It was Leeds one 0 Yeah. So you know, for all those good things, the bottom the bottom part of the table just does not seem to to split. You know, there are there are teams, you look down the bottom end of that league and you can see green, you can see teams picking up wins, mm. and yet it seems tighter than it's ever been. I mean You're right about Palace getting like creeping into that conversation about relegation now as well. Well, because the teams below them are beginning to pick up wins, it, it's now yeah. drawing them in. Um and actually, in a way, Nottingham Forest now, despite the fact that they've been 
an upturn in form. They've now yeah. not won in four, and all of a sudden they're now only four points above the drop. So they're now very much back in the conversation. Whereas a week or two ago, we're probably thinking actually they they might just begin to sort of pull away a little bit. Um, and even Leicester, Leicester three points above mm. the relegation zone. No one, nobody's talking about them at all, apart from you mentioned the other way, didn't yeah. you? Um, you want to retract to the retraction about whether you <laughs> thought they were going to be relegated or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, the, the topsy-turvy nature of this, the only one at the moment, um, or the only two still still for me is Southampton and Bournemouth. Southampton have decided to keep their manager, which sort of feels like a bit of a yeah. throw in the towel See if you can keep us up, but if not, we'll plan for next season. Um, Bournemouth, I thought, looked good in periods against City, but just looked hopeless at the back at times, but looked okay going forward. And then it's roll the dice for any one of those other six teams at the moment. Um, I think we could pr- try and predict it about a week before the last game, and we'd still get it wrong. <laughs> I think I think half an hour yeah. from the end of the last <laughs> round of fixtures, we'd still be all pressed to work it out. So, yeah, Everton... To me, I still I can't remember if I said them last week or not, if I still said they were going to go down. But Everton's big problem for me is still going to be goals. I think we said Leeds. Yeah, we all agreed on Leeds. We all agree on Leeds, okay. But if Everton are going to go down, it's going to be goals. Yeah. Because they still don't have anyone to put the ball in the back of the net. They created some good chances um, in the weekends. Where's Pickford and Cody and all that go? Well, Cody's on loan. Well, Pickford's just signed a new four-year deal, so he ain't going. <laughs> Unless he's got a relegation release clause in that contract, yeah. he ain't going anywhere. He wouldn't be able to play for England then, would he? Who's in the championship? Yeah, because it's apparently it's banned, isn't it? It's frowned upon <laughs> to properly, but in Wales it's perfectly fine. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see. I mean, Everton are now the lowest. Am I right to say they are the lowest scorers in the division? Even Southampton and Wolves have scored more. About twenty percent of your goal tally in one game. We genuinely what well, we <laughs> you got leads. four, four all, goals. Yeah, it was so. almost a quarter of our season's tally of goals in one game. <laughs> Um, in fact it was because we were on 19 before that game so it was it was over 25% of our goals in one game <laughs> fucking hell I didn't realise it was that bad um, so yeah I mean but Everton in this game it felt to me like it felt like quite a deflating result and a deflating performance because I don't think they were that bad against Villa but they just never looked like getting anything from the game mm. and even the fans you almost felt that wave of oh shit we are in deep trouble mm. um so I'm not going to ask you a few predictions or anything like that, but do you do you feel like Deitch can get something out of these teams, out of these players, just find goals from somewhere? I think they look a lot better defensively. Um, but yeah, it is just going forward. They just seem to be struggling with goals. But I mean, you look at the play, like Dwight McNeil, I don't really rate that highly. No. Wobi, not really a massive fan. Calvert-Lewin has just gone downhill since he started wearing dresses. <laughs> <laughs> And that's us off the air. Um, but I mean, he's injured a lot anyway, yeah. so it doesn't matter if he wears dresses or not. He doesn't hardly play. Impartiality has never been our thing, has it? <laughs> yeah, if you want PC stuff, you're in the wrong place. Um, Neil Mope has not done anything nah, really since he's nah. transferred to Everton. Um, obviously, they've lost Anthony Gordon mm-hmm. to, to Newcastle. Although, even though I think he was their top scorer, he wasn't banging in goals yeah. left, right, and centre anyway. So. I do worry, and, and actually there were a few times in that game where when a team is struggling for confidence, and West up until this weekend, West Ham were exactly the same, mm. you can see this indecisiveness when they're going forward. There was a couple of times Everton got in good positions, and you're just like, shoot, just mm. shoot, pull the trigger. And then they were just like trying to find one more pass, trying to find, taking one more touch. It was just those little things that were costing them. Yeah. Um, and that's symptomatic of a team down that end who haven't scored many goals, 
and I think they're in um, they're very very serious trouble because their defensive whilst their defensive record is good, it's not going to matter if you don't score goals. Much of that's what I said about West Ham. Um, so let's talk about West Ham quickly. It was a, a result that kind of came out of nowhere. I'll be brutally honest. Mm. I was not. I was expecting a tight game. It was tight in the first half. Um, I think we were good value for the win. Don't get me wrong. I think 4-0 may have flattered us a little bit, mm-hmm. but it was a, it's a massive win for us because, you know, there were genuine rumours of Moyes being sacked. Um, so it's quite disappointing that we did win. Um, but uh, That's bought in five more games. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's a soul shot, I think, yeah, really not, it isn't it? Is. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously you guys have seen the game. You know, was this finally a little bit of a... Um, an insight into actually what West Ham could do if all their attacking players suddenly find the groove. Because we do have, you look at the player for player, we should be nowhere fucking near that bottom part of the league. Yeah, well, that's what we've said all season is, you know, it's, it's different to a lot of the teams that are down there. Like, you, you, I mean, you should be up sort of in sixth with the squad that you've got. Yeah. So it's really weird that you are so far down there um, and have been all season. But yeah, I think that Forest game went sort of showed what you can do when your players all spark together. Mm. I will, I'll be honest as well as it. The one thing that um, was really refreshing to see was Antonio scoring. <laughs> with that, um, but the, the very fact that he because he he gave an interview during the week and basically said that you know he feels like his his game is improving again. His hold up plays good, and he, he he believes he can score the goals to win us games and fire us out of this predicament. Because so, he didn't get his move in January. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> And um, but he's only scored two Premier League goals all season before mm-hmm. this game, and then Danny Ings comes along in his first start and grabs two. Um, but it was just nice to have somebody that fox in the box type striker because Antonio's not been that mm-hmm. for a long time. And actually, we do get the ball in the box, you know, a, a reasonable amount, but there's just never anybody there. Yeah. So that was nice. That is a real Good positive. goal as well. With the, I mean, the ball was behind him. Yes, the second one obviously a bit more mm. fortunate where he sort of bundled it over mm. the line, but certainly the first one was you know good adjustment, almost kind of like Harry Kane's one. Yeah, yeah. He, brings, he brings a lot of energy to the team as well. I mean, the, the first goal bursting all the way from. Well, he um, started that move. Yeah, um, I think yeah, when he to, to get in them positions, but you wouldn't see Antonio do that. No, he'd be right on the defender's back, just holding the ball up. That's yeah. it. He'd lose the ball. And if and if he did pass the ball on, he wouldn't then make that run afterwards to get in the box. I think his biggest thing is just staying fit, really. Mm. It's sort of actually enjoying, enjoyable to watch Ings in play well yeah. instead mm. of playing for Southampton because I hate him when he played for Southampton. He was a, it was a real problem. So to actually watch him play football and go, yeah, fair play, man. I can, I can enjoy him now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's easy to forget that we've still got Skamaka. Like, he's back on the bench. Mm. He's back yeah. just about fit again. Um, we've got a fairly kind draw, I would say, in the in the conference league. We've got um, the current Cypriot champions, yes. I think, Larnaca. Um, obviously on paper it should be a breeze yeah. really but they are top of the league they're going to be high in confidence and they're not going to fear us easy draw in the FA Cup as well yeah uh, well, we'll get that one out of the way Wednesday door Wednesday in all seriousness I see us throwing that game on Wednesday because I think with the conference league that we'll be focusing on Premier League survival being paramount focus I suspect he could ring the changes and, and yeah, effectively think, throw the throw the game I think we've got to rotate as well I mean we've obviously just played Fuck it, like Phil, Jones under, under, yeah. <laughs> Phil Jones was a commentator he was a pundit <laughs> on the weekend it was amazing because um, we've got Liverpool at the weekend so obviously we're going to have to go full strength against Liverpool so I'm hoping he's going to play the likes of Maguire and Lindelof and me Lassie. too <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah I, I genuinely think he's going to rotate I think there's a number of players he won't risk Pakatar you know he's come out mm. from injury he might 
start Skamaka to give him some minutes, but I suspect he'll probably start Antonio. Um, so we'll be watching United West Ham reserves then. <laughs> yes. And we talked about actually getting together and watching yeah. it. And I'm thinking, you might have to bring the alcohol for this one. <laughs> so, but anyway, back to the point. Uh, yeah, massive result for West Ham. Massive confidence booster as well for getting those goals. Though Ben Rama was excellent again. Clean sheet is huge. Um, we've obviously got a run of games that are a little bit tricky coming up. So that Forest game was massive, which we highlighted last week. Um, and then coming up, we've obviously got Brighton away at the weekend. What's the, what's the news on Fabianski then? Because he had to come off for Ravioli, didn't he? Uh, concussion. Mild, okay? mild, mild concussion, yeah. It wasn't anything bad. Um, but it was it was actually quite refreshing to see the, them looking at that because he didn't look that bad. He didn't look dazed particularly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was quite refreshing to see them look him over and decide, actually, no, you need to come mm. off and get properly checked. We got a great goal in Areola on the bench. And he made a couple um, of decent Made a couple saves. of very good saves on his birthday, yeah. So I thought that was quite refreshing to see there because all too often in football you see these... His players get, and he got left on the bench on his birthday. Oh, he's been left on the bench all year. Moyes, oh. Moyes fucking hates him. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was refreshing to see because you see that too often in football where concussion is not taken as seriously as it should. Your players get like almost knocked half out, mm. and then they carry on. And you think there's no way that you're that you're right after that. So now, now you've got your win. He's just salt off of uh, Lingard now. Uh, it is because he got the treatment from the West Ham fans as well because he came on got booed got booed every time he touched <laughs> the ball and didn't do anything so yeah I, I had I was having nightmares that he was going to come on at 0-0 and score the winner and I would have mm. I may not have been here today recording this <laughs> podcast if that had happened <laughs> so yeah look, look, that that chapter's, that chapter's closed now um, who knows where he'll end up at the end of the season when his contract is up oh, probably in America would be my mm. guess um, but so, yeah so Brighton next then Villa then Man City, so you know these are these are tricky games coming up um, with the FA Cup and Europe and Conference League uh, sprinkled in the middle. So yeah, we've got a tricky end of the season. Southampton massive in April. Then we've got Newcastle, Fulham, Arsenal. <laughs> That's a tricky run as well. Mm. And then we finish the season with Bournemouth, Liverpool, Palace, United, Brentford, Leeds, and Leicester. So yeah, this is going to be a tricky end for West Ham. So they're going to have to reproduce that sort of yeah. performance again and find some more wins. So. Um, Elsewhere, whilst we're not going to talk about the top of the table side of things, Man City obviously did give uh, Bournemouth a bit, of, a bit of a seeing too, so that keeps them down there as well. Wolves got a point on Friday night. Um, I actually thought Wolves on Friday night looked pretty good in patches. Um, I didn't watch all of the game. I saw I saw bits and pieces of it. Um, but again, they... they I, I don't think... I think come the end of the season, I think they could be one of the candidates to pull away from this. I don't think, yeah, I don't know how they're not going to score huge amounts of goals, but I feel like the the way that they play now, they're going to create more chances, and just by sheer law of averages, they're going to start finding the back of the net a few more, a few more times. There's a bit more positivity with them now, isn't there? Yeah, the Petagu, whatever his name is, has got a tune out of them. He has got them playing quite well. Mm. Um, They've won three out of their last six. um, Which is all the more surprising that they're still only three points above the relegation (laughs) zone. Um, But I think I think they could be a candidate to pull away, and I. I still worry for Palace. I'm going to say it every week. I still worry for Palace. I think they could get drawn into this. Another blank at the weekend. I know they were playing Liverpool, but you know they had chances in their game. Liverpool did did their utmost to give Palace a goal, especially Trent was fucking at it again most, most of that game, giving mm. Palace chances. So what do you guys think when you look at the, that pack, if you like, that 12 to, 12 to 16, shall we say? You know, which of those ones are you more worried about being dragged in properly? Uh, Palace... Do you think Forrest are now going to kind of yeah, come uh, back down again? No, nah, I think Forrest will be all right. I think yeah. Kayla Navas was a great signing. Um, 
and the other 35 players that they signed. <laughs> um, Leicester, potentially. You think they'll get dragged in? Potentially. Is that just because you want me to like audio clip the bit from yeah, two weeks ago? Yeah, uh, <laughs> outside horse. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Leicester will be all right, but they've got they've got to next season they need to do something about these results. How many games have they like had like seven eight goals in the game mm. and lost like five two or something like that? They've got to stop that. Um, right. Well, I don't think there's anything really more else to talk about from a football point of view, unless anyone's got anything they want to bring up. No, quick mention actually. You mentioned it before we recorded tonight that the um, there was a game in Turkey, Besiktas, uh, where they stopped the game in the early parts, early few minutes, and all the crowd were chucking teddies onto the pitch mm. as a charity thing for um, all the children that have had all their lives turned around um, as a result of all the earthquakes out there. Something that the span I think, was rare. Sotsi dad do, don't, don't they? Yeah. Every year, so that was uh, that was nice. Hopefully, more can be done um, with those. With the relief effort, and it's all gone a bit quiet actually. Real Batiste. Oh, maybe it's Batiste. That's the one that Lee follows as well, now, hasn't it? It's one of them. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's Real Betis, Real Sociedad, Real Vallecano. One is one yeah, of the Real teams. Um, so yeah, lovely, lovely gesture. Hopefully, more can be done. It's all gone very quiet on the uh, earthquake front, as it tends to do in the media, mm. where the, the big story of the week, you know, get all the clicks, and then as soon as the clicks drop off, right, let's go and talk about something else and mm. forget that that's that, that happens. Talk about the weather. Exactly. So right, okay. Uh, let's begin to round out the show then, and we'll start with this. <laughs> Down the stat, man. So the ball has been in play for 51 minutes and 47 seconds on average in Newcastle's Premier League games. The second lowest of any side after who? Um, United? Nope. If I had to guess, if I'm looking at the teams. Um, Everton? Nope. I'd say like a team like Brentford or something like that. No. no. I mean, logic would logic would say it's a team that kind of plays yeah. direct, lots of long balls, balling out of play and stuff. Mm. Not convinced by Dan's response to that. I was hoping to get something out of him. Is it someone we'd expect, or is it? Um, I'm quite surprised by it. To be fair, it's one of the relegation candidates. I'll give you that. Okay. West Ham. No. <laughs> um, candidates. Right. Southampton. No. Nope. Run through in Bournemouth. No. Nope. <laughs> Wolves. No. Nope. Leicester. No. Have we missed any of those? Did we miss lead, Leeds? Leeds. It's Leeds. Yeah, I've had the ball in play the uh, least amount of minutes. So that's surprising because they do, you know, under Marsh, I know they were losing games and stuff, but it felt like they were mm. ball on the deck, quite an attacking team. Mm. So even that's that, that's, that's that's at an average or the lowest? On average. No, bloody. And while um, only one other team has had more added time on average than Newcastle as well. Leeds again? No. One of the, well, I was about to say one of the higher teams, they're not higher. Chelsea? No, yes, sorry, Chelsea. Chelsea. Yeah. Mm. And they still can't score. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're even giving them more time to score and they still can't. Right, okay, right, we will end the <laughs> sorry, show. <laughs> <laughs> Just when you thought you got away from the Chelsea chat over the show, we, we reel them back in. Uh, right, it's time for this. Hello, and welcome to round three of the quiz. 
Um, can we have your buzzers as a reminder, please? Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. I completely forget what mine is each week, so I'm just going for this one. If I speak, I'm in, in big trouble. I'm pretty sure it was that, that one. Was that yeah. one yeah. <laughs> okay, so the hint for this week is uh, winners. Winners? Winners. Nice broad generic topic. <laughs> Love that from you, Pete. <laughs> winners. We're thinking trophy winners, Dan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Uh, as I won last week, Dan, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you go first. Um, Not that it's any advantage whatsoever to go first nah. in this game. <laughs> Are they Premier League? Yes. Are they still playing today? No. Did they retire over the last five years? No. Within the okay, so it must be around five years then. Okay. Uh, <coughs> are they English nationality? No. Are they a pundit or coach slash manager? It's a lot of questions right there. Uh, no. Um. So none of those things. So they've retired and gone away from the game. Um. Were they, given that the theme is winners, were they a winner with their national team? No. Okay. Are they European? God, you're really testing my geography now. <laughs> no. Might, get, might have a laugh about this later. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's no. So it's not an obvious country. Okay. <laughs> so if he's not sure he's European, so where does that... Potentially put South it. South America, Africa. Africa would be North my America. guess. Well, maybe Europe's European then. Do you want to Google it while we're asking questions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so not retired, so retired five years Did ago. Did they ish. play in the Copper America, the European Championship? Uh, one question at a time. Eh? Or the African Cup of Nations? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is in Europe. Yeah. It's a oh, European okay. country. So it's Google. It's going to mean it's some like San Marino. Yeah, some shit European team that like, doesn't do anything on a national league level. Um, don't come at me. Is it Ryan Giggs? Yeah. So Premier League doesn't play anymore. Been retired longer than not five in, years. Not English. Okay. Not English. Is it fair to say that his national team would be considered a poor national team? Not poor. No. Okay. He retired. Okay. Are they a striker? No. Midfielder? No. Defender? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we always do yeah, that. We never it's get like it right. It <laughs> Good job we're not limited to questions. <laughs> um, he did say it was European. Um, was Has he ever won individual honours, things like Ballon d'Or or anything like that? I know he wouldn't have won Ballon d'Or, but like... Uh, he has won individual honours, yes. Okay. So it must mean he was a fairly big-time player. But it wasn't a Ballon d'Or. No. I think there's only been one or two defenders that have ever won the Ballon d'Or, I think. Has he won the Premier League? Yes. Guess it from there, yeah? I'm surprised no. you guys haven't gone for, like, colours or anything like that. 
to be honest, is he rich? I thought I thought the question earlier was about was he in the Premier League. I thought you said no, which is why I've been my head's been all over mm-hmm. the place. So okay, so um, it's interesting to me that you that you didn't know if the country is in Europe or not. Yeah. That's probably just because my right. my knowledge. If it's of this like country. Spain, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah, he's Italian. <laughs> um, was he? Oh, this was his club, Chelsea. No. I'm trying to think of the um, players that were like retired five years. Okay. Has he won a World Cup? No. Did he win a European trophy with his club? Yes. I should probably specify Champions League, to be honest, because that could be Europa or something. Mm. Is... I'm trying to think. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you, yeah. Champions League. Champions League, okay. And he's won the Premier League. Yeah. And he's many retired times. many times. Won the Champions many times. Interesting. No, Premier League many times. Oh, okay. Did he play for United? Yes. Come on, Dan, this is yours to get now. I'm trying to think of countries. <laughs> I'm just going through my mind. So was he... Um, did he play for United his whole career? No. I mean, I could, I could, you know, I could list off players. I'm trying to think of a country that's... Was he... Go on. Unless you've got a question. I was gonna no, say, you can ask. I was, say, was he a... Uh, a regular starter for United. Yes. He's a defender, isn't he? Uh, no, he's not English. He's um, it's not European. Premier League defender. He's won the Champions League. Is it Yapstam? Nope. I'd be concerned if Pete. Didn't well, know that. I was Holland to, was in Europe. I can, I'm thinking like French, Spanish. Oh fucking! I'm not that much. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. What insult to our host, Dan? No, no, that's why I'm not naming those players. (laughs) It's got to be like an reason. He said that the the the, the country wasn't awful. So I'll give you a hint then. Go on. Yeah. So he's one of only four players to win the Premier League Player of the Season award twice, alongside. Sometimes may be good. Sometimes may be shit. Nemanja Matic. No, shit. Not him. Dan. Fuck. <laughs> just giving it to him. Vidic. Yes. Fuck. That was who I meant to say. <laughs> Alongside shit. Gary Henry, Kevin De Bruyne and Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, that's so annoying. I had to, I had to bloody spoon feed one of you. Oh, why did I say Matic? <laughs> Dickhead. Is he, even the, is he the same country? Yeah, it's so and he's a midfielder as well yeah <laughs> reason I was unsure about Europe is because it's uh, Yugoslavia or Serbia True. Serbia so, yeah, yeah. <coughs> alright next player oh bollocks okay <laughs> <laughs> um I was so confident with that <laughs> I really thought you got it uh, my brain sort of stopped oh well right um okay is this player still playing today no are they retired within the last Five years. Yes. Okay. Are they? Were they in the Premier League? Yes. Did they win the Premier League? Yes. Are they English? No. Are they European? No. Um. Did they? Did they win individual honours? 
Yes. Did they win the Premier League within the last 10 years? Yes. Are they African? Yes. Did we not have a did we not have a rule though that you could guess on your own? I don't uh, know. After you ask the question, you can then buzz, but it's a free for all. Yeah, it's so. a free for all. Mo Salah. No. Fuck. Um, he's what well, he said retired. Oh yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> about, well, about time he did one of them. Retired this season. Yeah. <laughs> um, my guess was going to be Didier Drogba. Didier Drogba. Oh, one all. Bollocks. Okay. Well done. <laughs> wow, deserved to lose. There we go. Really. He's at his Brad Friedel moment. Yeah. Right, final player. Only when you are. One down. Uh, does he play in the Premier League? He did, yep. Yeah. Is he retired? Yep. Did he retire in the last five years? Nope. Ten years? Nope. Don't fuck me. Don't fuck me. Just past that. I'll just make that a bit easier for you. Eleven. <laughs> nope. Ten and a half. Um, right, so that puts it two thousand and ten ish. Yeah. Um, me or you? I think it's you. Me. Um. Did, did have we asked if he's Premier League? Uh, I think I did. Did I? Did I ask? Did I ask if he's Premier League? Probably. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, did he play for one of the elite? Yes. Did he win the Champions League? Yes. Uh, no, sorry. No, no, he didn't. Um, is he European? Yes. Has he won like an international tournament? No. <laughs> Testing his knowledge. He didn't yeah. seem convinced. <laughs> well, the juniors, yeah. Like no, under, we won't count. Under, uh, under 18s. That won't help me at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like, it feels like that should have been a clue, but I'm not, <laughs> but I'm not sure it is. Um, well, I mean, a, a Euro- European player that's never won a Champions League, mm. but played for one of the elite. So that must mean maybe a City player? When did they? When did they get the money? Twenty ten. And he retired. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, did uh, are they a striker? No. Midfielder. No. Kishti. Goalie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the defender. And then European. Uh, did he play for Chelsea? Nope. I feel like we have to go this this uh, thing, don't we? Was he Arsenal? Yes. Retired ten years ago. Did he win anything? Was he? Have we asked countries? Was he English? Either European as well. Was he English? Yes. Oh, I'm not really going to be very good. Uh, he retired I can't ten even years think ago. of his fucking name. I mean, I'm. I don't. I don't really know when he retired. But Martin, is it Pion or Neon or however you say no, his name? No, Martin Ten years ago, it'd be a bit short for him. He would have been further than that. Yeah. To retire ten years ago. I don't think Arsenal English Arsenal defender. We used to tell English, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. 
English astrophysicist. Did he? Oh, um. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Sorry, ten years ago, I think this is wrong. I was going to say Ashley Cole. Yeah, I was thinking Ashley Cole. No. I was going to be annoyed if it was. I was, back, <laughs> I was about to ask, did he play for Chelsea as well? You're getting very close, though. Definitely that sort of era. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Can I guess again? Yeah, go for it. I don't know. Kieran Gibbs? No. Was he a centre-back? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um... Sol Campbell. Ten wins. Well done. Yeah. 2010, it feels like it was a lot longer than the guy that he retired. Mm. The Judas, actually, because he moved from Spurs yeah, so that's yeah. Arsenal. Yeah. Sol Campbell's not his real name, it's Judas. Judas. <laughs> um, but yeah, managerial career as well, Macclesfield Town and Southend United, neither of those went very well at all. But yeah, he still believes he should be considered for a top yeah, job. Yeah, because I won't say why. Everyone <laughs> knows why. Run both clubs to the ground, but... Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm still, well, I still, congratulations, Dan. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for doing that. Well done, Dan. Um, yeah, I still remember Bobby Zamora giving Sol Campbell a nervous breakdown because we beat them. We were the last team to beat them at Highbury, the first ones to beat them at the Emirates, and the last game at Highbury, Bobby Zamora gave him an absolute nervous breakdown, battered him all <laughs> afternoon, and he went off the rails. I just loved him when he came to Pompey. Absolute brick wall of a man. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It's a slightly shorter show this week than it has been recently. Um, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. Um, the plan is, uh, if I can get everything in time, we are going to record one of Dan's forfeits tomorrow. Mm. Uh, sorry, well, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday, sorry. for um, can tie in for watching the uh, uh, West Ham United game. So, yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, depending on how it goes and whether I can get it done, then the video will be um, available shortly after and we are going to start recording for season four of LMA um, the week beginning the 13th of March so two weeks today as a time of recording to release the following Tuesday on the 21st um, so that is the plan we will put that up on social media because we've got lots of people asking us when we're, <laughs> when we're coming back which is pretty awesome um, so yeah thank you very much for your support everybody and we will see you all next week bye bye, bye. bye.